Now it's my pleasure to welcome Charlotte to Major League Soccer as our 30th team. And now your new owner, David Tepper. Charlotte. You ready to party? Please join me in welcoming Charlotte Football Club's first head coach, Miguel Angel Ramirez. Buenos dias. In the 2022 MLS Super Draft, presented by Adidas, Charlotte FC selects from the University of Maryland and Generation Adidas, Ben Bender. Welcome, Benvenuti, Bienvenidos. Excited to bring you another Match Day episode to listen to while you're tailgating, driving to the match, or listening after. Today we bring you a conversation with the Dustin Swinehart, the legendary great for the Charlotte Eagles, now Independence, who is the Director of Community Engagement for the Charlotte Football Club. I talk with him about the club's community pillars, his work, and more. Swinehart's professional career began in 1996 when he signed with Hampton Roads Mariners in the USISL. In 1997, he played for the Indiana Blast, and then in 1998, Swinehart signed with the Charlotte Eagles in the USISL, where he remained there with the exception of two brief periods with the Richmond Kickers. At his retirement in 2010, he was the Eagles' all-time leading goal scorer and was with the team longer than any other player. He was the six-time first-team All-League and was part of two national championship squads with the Eagles. He finished his professional career with 135 goals. Let's see how Dustin fits this role of Director of Community Engagement. All right. Well, welcome, Dustin, to our podcast. Thank you very much. Before we start with any of your stuff in your role, you are a, I mean, you're a rock star as far as a, a, a player is concerned. You've, you're pretty well accomplished, and especially, I mean, not only in this area, but like just in in soccer itself, I mean, you've got MVPs, you have all these years of experience. Thanks. What is, uh, congratulations, yeah, what is what is it like to now work for the MLS level? Yeah, this is a exceptional kind of dream come true type of, you know, deal, particularly in the in the Carolinas. That's awesome, because I mean, most of your playing time was here in yeah. Charlotte, right? That's right, yeah. So I had a chance, I played professionally for 14 years. Um, and, you know, kind of a mix of MLS and USL. 12 of those seasons were connected uh, within the Charlotte Eagles at the time, which was the USL now championship level team that has now become the Charlotte Independence. But yeah, so um, I had a chance to spend a ton of my professional career within the USL ranks and then kind of bouncing up occasionally to the MLS world. But I'm really grateful for it. Just such a, a special, you know, uh, part of my life and my family's life to be able to play for that long and for some great clubs. That's awesome. Well, good. I'm, so I'm glad you get to, to expand your, your knowledge and understanding of the game at the yeah. level you are. So yeah. you are the officially, you're the director of community relations or community yeah. engagement. What is we'll your formal title? Engagement. Yes. Yeah. Director of community engagement. Yeah. So which is community relations is the, another common terminology for it. So, yeah. Okay. Yeah. So what do you, what do you what do you do like what is your what role do in duties? Do? yeah <laughs> what does that even mean uh, <laughs> my role is to help our club connect support and build community programming partnerships initiatives 
um, throughout the Carolinas. So I think across all professional sports, you have some sort of community department and that department is helping those teams. And for us helping Charlotte FC make a difference at the street level, at the park level, at the school level, you know, so working with youth clubs, schools, you know, nonprofits, and ultimately trying to make the club be integrated into the community at the grassroots, you know, level. And so that's in its broadest sense, it's, you know, we've got a group of people that are trying to make the team great in the stadium. And part of my hope is to help make our team great outside the stadium, you know, uh, with relationships and people and organizations. And so just to have influence. So like the, yeah. are you, do you oversee like the, the mini pitches project? Yeah, that's right. So the areas that I oversee, um, so we have kind of our community pillars initiatives, which I'm sure we'll share more about, but those get into our efforts around after school and literacy and building fields and working with military and helping on food insecurity. Um, I also actually oversee our camps and clinics. And so that's working with uh, what you would think about, you know, a summer camp, uh, you know, trying to get the game more integrated in and getting Charlotte FC to be supportive in, in you know, everything from little kid soccer to recreational, you know, yeah, also oversee our youth club network. So that's working directly with youth clubs um, across the Carolinas. But for all intents and purposes, the programs you see that are community focused, those are to be the things that we, that I ultimately help provide leadership. To. Let's start with the Carolina soccer honors. Like that is like a level to almost an identification in some respects of playing, but also community outreach. Is it kind of a mix? Yeah. So this, this is interesting. So yeah, so this Friday, it's our first uh, Charlotte FC charity. So we actually have a nonprofit that's called Charlotte FC Charities. Um, so this is our first Charlotte FC charity event. Um, and it's called Carolina Soccer Honors. What that is, is that's a awards, uh, you know, banquet, uh, awards celebration for middle school and high school age players, primarily in the high school and club world that we thought, you know, worked with a great group on it, but ultimately a, a centralized event to spotlight the accomplishments of coaches, teams, players, you know, in the in the Carolinas, you know, team of the year, club team of the year, you know, golden boot winner, all these things that, um, I think teams maybe do internally at their own little end of the year banquet, but this is a chance to pull the whole soccer community together and, and, and spotlight that. So yeah, we'll have, we're excited. So this is our first shot FC charities event that we get to pull off an event with all the proceeds coming back to the charity. Nice. That's awesome. Yeah. Then of course, we've already launched the Charlotte FC unified team. Yeah, so, that's right. And that's, and that's part of a network of teams because they're going to be playing other clubs. And so yeah, tell, me, right. tell me how that's going right now. I know my oldest is 20 and he's, he's autistic. Uh -huh. He played soccer, you know, when he was younger. And of course it wasn't, wasn't fantastic, but you know, he was joining yeah. and he was participating. He was part yeah. of it. It was great. And Wonderful. You know, he kind of looked at that and like, yeah, possible, but, um, but yeah. you got some neat, uh, neat things going on with that. So tell us yeah. a little more about that, how so, that works. Yeah. So the unified teams are a partnership between major league soccer and the special Olympics. And I would say most MLS teams, um, organize their unified team. And that is for those who aren't familiar, that is a team that it's a blend of athletes from the special Olympic community. And then partners that are from outside that community that join together, make a team and have a full-on team experience. We train every week. We have training tonight. We have a set of coaches. So it's a proper team and we'll end up playing other MLS unified teams. The heartbeat behind all of it is to give 
these unified teams and, and in particular the athletes from the Special Olympics, a full first team experience. So this is the Charlotte FC unified team that say they wear the jerseys, they've got the actual training gear, we've got coaches, they, you know, we did our signing day, which was a really big event. Right. I saw that. Everyone signed their contract and they got and they went in the locker room and they get there. It's awesome. And so then we host a match and then we travel and play an away match. And then we actually will place an athlete, a partner, and a uh, chaperone or our coach is going to the MLS All-Star game to play up there. Um, oh, nice. Yeah. So it, it is So it is a wonderful league-wide initiative. It's something that Special Olympics does kind of across a bunch of sports. But for the MLS, it's a very uh, well-received and supported uh, community initiative called the Unified Team. So we have our first ever Charlotte FC Unified Team. <laughs> That's great. And then you have um, within that, like, what is the commitment for these for these players, athletes? Yeah. Yeah. I, so, you know, the, so they come, there was a tryout. So we had a two session tryout and, and we ultimately selected, and then we told them, you know, to be a part of this, a, you, you know, you have to live up to the standards of what the special Olympics and MLS would hold in terms of kind of being a good teammate and being a good sport and, you know, some of the character mm-hmm. things, but ultimately the, the players are committing to right now it's once a week training and then a commitment to be a part of our matches. Um, and so, like I said, we'll have at least one home and one away. We might schedule some additional, but yeah, they're going to commit for the better part of the MLS season. So we're, we're kind of running ours probably towards the end of summer, you know, mm-hmm. and they will train at least once a week. They'll play some matches. They've been to a match. They represent the club. There'll be some moments where they get a chance to really be spotlighted and in, in representing um, the club overall. So yeah, it's a really, it's and a the, very, really age range. What's it? It's typically like 28. Yeah. It's probably, you know, 18 to 25, 16 to 25. Okay. Somewhere in there. Yeah. So it's, it's definitely the high school, young adult age. It's not, you know, 10 year olds running around. Um, so you've got adults out there playing. So on top of that, you have yet another thing. You have a greater goals. Great, so yeah. what is, what is that about? Yeah, Greater Goals was really probably one of our first initiatives we launched, and it's a, um, so contextually within Charlotte FC community programs, we have three main pillars. One's focused on upward mobility, which is programming that helps support the advancement of families and particularly youth to, to advance forward, uh, you know, on an economic and socioeconomic kind of trajectory that moves them forward. Second is food insecurity, and third is military support. So the very first thing that we did, which fits inside of our upper mobility pillar is called Greater Goals. And that is our after-school soccer and literacy program. So we work with two nonprofits that help execute the programming, but we're in 22 elementary schools with um, just under 500 players in it right now. And it's a twice a week after-school soccer where kids get, uh, they sign up or they get selected to be in it and they have practice for about 30 to 40 minutes. And then they have a 10 minute reading session with their coach. And so it is primarily targeted for kindergarten through second graders uh, with a hope to support third grade literacy levels, which is a really key determinant in high school graduation. Um, but it's after school soccer and reading. And it's awesome. We're all over Charlotte right now and yeah. hopefully going to expand, but it's got, it's got a school year long kind of programming that runs. I talked with uh, Peter Fink at uh, Street oh, yeah. Soccer, and so he was talking, we talked more about the pitches program, yeah. but like yeah. what he does is is kind of a, a mold of 
of those two programs. That's right. That's right. Yeah. No, so Greater Goals is really, it's wonderful. We launched it. It was interesting. I mean, we launched our brand in the middle of the pandemic. So it was very, you know, challenging time to do anything, <laughs> but we right. were able to facilitate some of our soccer and reading programs, even during the pandemic, which is really cool. So it's, it's really been our longest running community program. Now we're in our finishing up our kind of second school year of it. Nice. Yeah. We kind of all know about the pitches for progress, yeah. kind of having these pitches in, in different places and adding the programming that goes with it because That's just right. a pitch by itself isn't going to do anything. That's right. Yeah. I tell people, you know, the pitches for progress, the front end of it is really shiny, right? Because it's a brand new field and it's re they're really well put together. They are, they're very nice quality fields that go into the neighborhoods, but the power of the program is in the coaches and the programming because it is truly a mentorship coaching initiative more than it is soccer fields. You know what I mean? The soccer field is a tool to get, to provide space for all the coaching and mentoring and influence. So we're excited about right now, I think we've got, you know, probably a couple hundred kids that are playing weekly on our fields with coaches and like, that's the real, that's the secret sauce of it all. It's a coach right. that really cares well for the kids and provides some structured programming for them. Right. And it also, like you said, they're, they're placed in places to help with upward mobility. That's it's right. Yeah. Just for everybody. Yeah, that's right. I mean, we've really said, you know, the, the purpose of these fields is to support the initiative around uh, neighborhoods that you know, maybe would be typically considered at risk, risk meaning, you know, maybe there's not resources around them, they're not having access to some of the programming, um, and therefore they could benefit from some direct access to these things. So it's a, it's an upward mobility piece for us. So what does that look like? It is going into neighborhoods that don't have access to this, or maybe don't have programming and placing a field, but here's what's interesting. So kids that are in structured programming, Okay, so this is kids in the maybe any risk category are 40% less likely to get involved in, in gang activity. Mm -hmm. Okay, so if we think about how do we support youth, one of the time frames that's really unfortunately dangerous for youth is after school before dinner. Mm -hmm. Because a lot of kids come home, they may or may not have parents there, there's a lot of downtime and unfortunately right. things happen. So to slide in fields and coaches and said, hey, you're home from school. We're going to have practice from, you know, 3.30 to 5. Come on out here. That structure really does provide healthy boundaries for kids that keeps them in a good trajectory. So that's really where we found this programming in these fields to be most effective is in those neighborhoods that typically, hey, they, it's just kind of going to have the lack of opportunities that are around those families and we want to provide that transportation is always in, yeah. always a boundary there. That's right. But also for those, for those kids and those, those youngsters, I mean, having another caring adult in their life is a huge, bonus. that's right. Yeah. Having something yeah. structured and having something as a community within their community that they can build with together. And they're not just these silos of kids growing up. That's right. Yeah. And I think one of the things we're getting close to launching is we're going to launch a league between all these fields. And so we're, you know, we're not sure the name of it. I think we've loosely called it the neighborhood cup, but basically you're going to have these, you know, our goal is to ultimately put in 22 fields. And so I think come end of summer, we'll have about almost 10 of them in that we start to build like truly team neighborhood teams. And so, you know, they practice during the week and on the weekend, 
you have sailboat bay apartments is going to play country club apartments in a mm -hmm. game right, right and right. so now they're now they're they have some pride about playing for their neighborhood right, right. they've got that and they're part of this larger charlotte fc run league and we think there's some really cool trajectory with all that. That's so nice. we're getting close to launching that. That's cool. Needs some yeah. more fields in it. Yeah, let me know. But that's right. We wrap all that together, and that's kind of what the program's designed to do. I'll definitely put that out there. And then, last but not least, on your kind of yeah. setup programs is the Captain's Academy. Yep. Yeah, Captain's Academy. That is a high school leadership content series. And so what we put our eyes on was, okay, we provide some programming for elementary school kids. A lot of our neighborhood kids are kind of middle school this age. Like what if we worked with the school systems and provided a leadership series to really invest into some identified strong leaders in different schools? And so what we've done is um, this past school year, we had 50 schools nominate one boy and one girl student athlete that kind of fit a certain criteria. They had to be an athlete for a certain number of seasons. They had to have a certain GPA. So it really was kind of the higher achieving, you know, student athletes in those schools. And so what if we brought all those kids together, you know, once a month and we provided a, you know, kind of access to leaders in our city. And it was a combination of team building, you know, a speaker, a community building effort, you know, all wrapped together and we'll call it the captain's academy, you know, captains tend to be the leaders on a team. So we're like, these are leaders in their schools. So we ran our first uh, year cycle. So we had eight sessions with the group. We met once a month at the stadium. We had speakers from what our first speakers were Dave and Nicole Tepper spoke. We had our, you know, different leadership from within Charlotte FC. We had leaders from Atrium speak. We had leaders, we had someone come from Fort Jackson, a military leader. So we had a really good range of leadership. And we said, you know, here's a group of high school kids. And if they could learn some principles now, and one of the fun things was we always asked our speakers, you know, hey, if you were 16, you know, what do you wish someone told you when you were 16? Now that you, knowing what you know today, right. you know, what were some of those lessons that you wish you would have right. had teed up or what were mistakes that you know you made that you wish you, you've learned from, but you would maybe, so it was really cool to have the story of these leaders go out into the lives of these student athletes in our, in our community. Now, do you tell your story? Because I mean, you got a nice story, but it's also uh, like, you know, most kids growing up have these aspirations, like I'm going to play and I'm going to be the best, whatever yeah. at this, you know, and yeah. if they're already good, they, not everybody makes it like they're, you're good at this level, but then you, when you get to the next level, you may not yeah. be the best. Like, do you, that's right. Do you share? I do. Story? Yeah. I, yeah. I'm grateful to be able to share, like, you know, again, I think there's a ton of power in story because I think your story is not only what you've walked through, but it can align to someone else with their. So yeah, I share a ton. I I'm a, pretty transparent dude so like I just share all of it out there and um areas like man this was great or this was not great or I my hopes were dashed when this happened you know and um because I think that's honesty right I guess yeah. just that's the truth of what it means to grow and mature and um so yeah so the captain's academy is it was a really really great first year it's a really you know I see it as a really unique way to use the platform of the team to connect young aspiring leaders to established leaders uh, and do it in a fun environment that hopefully builds some vision for these young leaders. So it's been, it's, it was a really good year. Yeah. So those are our three, those, those three programs are all of our kind of upward mobility. That's what we focus on right now. So what are you looking to add to this that you don't have? 
Yeah, I think, you know, if I looked at the pillars that we have, we've got a, our food insecurity or help and feeding, we do a couple things in that space. Um, we do a program called Meals on the Move, where we mobilize a food truck into a neighborhood once a month to provide family meals for families that might otherwise struggle with food insecurity. We do food redistribution after a stadium event. So after a big match or a concert, or we collect all the unused, you know, repurposable food. And then we work with Second Harvest Food Bank to distribute that to food banks, which is really cool. Um, uh, and then I think our, the, the one that we have the most to gain in terms of we haven't developed a lot that has to do with our military support. Mm -hmm. You know, uh, the Carolinas is like the second highest military per capita in the country. Right. And so if you look across our two states, there's a lot of families that have given their life and are currently serving in the military. And so we're working with Folds of Honor, Veterans Bridge Home. We're working with a couple of different military agencies right now to figure out how do we support the military community well. So I think if I looked, what are we going to probably put some more emphasis on? That's going to be one of them is how do we mature our military efforts? We will be doing, so Unified is part of the league initiative. We are going to do Kick Childhood Cancer, which is a initiative around pediatric cancer and how we can support that. So we're going to end up doing some stuff in, I think, August, September. That's the focus month for that. So that program will be kind of a fun one to kick off. But I don't know. I think I think where we are as a club is we're going to always be trying new things. We're pretty innovative and we're a go for it type of club. Um, but we we do have some programs like, OK, they went well in year one. We need to like deepen them. You know, let's what do we want to do better? Right. So all the programs that you have, the people that do this, they're all volunteers, right? They're nobody's. That's right. Yeah. At this point, we have myself on staff. We've got one uh, a gentleman named Jeff, who's the our camps and clinic manager. So he's helping actually coordinate the management of camps. And we just have a new community manager that's helping some from the program, but everyone else is volunteering. Truly, it is a, all the players that come, they're volunteering. All the coaches that come, all of our, you know, we launched, uh, it's called the um, Community Captains, which is a network of basically volunteers. And all of those groups are totally volunteer based. Um, and yeah, it's, you know, I, I think it's been amazing, just truly amazing to watch the mobilization of people, enthusiasm and excitement. I mean, genuinely people saying I'll, any way I can help just let me know, you know, like right. it's super fun. Like it's really cool. I think it strips away all the angling of different things. Cause it's like, if you want to help out, like, Right. This is a volunteer moment, right? Definitely. So it's and, and why not do it you. with something you enjoy, like soccer? You know? Yeah, totally. Yeah, yeah. So that's right. So it is a volunteer effort, <laughs> for sure. All right. So now I want to focus a little more on your story. So first of all, what do you, what do you like best about this role that you have? Um, great question. I would say probably back up just a little bit, which was, why did I take this job? <laughs> okay. Right. And it truly like, I, after I'd finished playing, we had started a nonprofit that we were working in loved. And, and then this opportunity came up to join and, you know, right at the beginning of the club. And so it was, it was a, it was an easy decision and a hard decision at the same time. Cause I was leaving something that I was really passionate about. And, 
And so then the question came naturally, like, well, so why would I make the change? Like, why would I jump into helping build this club? And, you know, and for me, it's, it is this, like, I truly believe that if this club was built the right way, that it could genuinely change the Carolinas, genuine, like it would change not just the soccer ecosystem, um, but it would radically support and impact the international community in a new and vibrant way. You know, it would change a little bit of how maybe fan fanaticism happens, you know, and we're already uh, starting to see this. Yeah. And I was like, I think if we do it right, like, I think it will change the Carolina. So like my hopeful aspiration in all of it was that this would be a life transformation type of club. And some of it is because it's new and people are really jumping in for the first time and you're going to, so the thing that I love the most is that I get to be a part of and see the, the impact that the club is making in the lives of people at the most micro level, you know, like when I go to an elementary school and you see, it's not just like, oh, kids like Charlotte FC. It's like, no, like you see this really like amazing attachment to I'm a part of this, like I'm a part of something that's really special. Uh, So I love that. So I, what I love is I get to see the impact the club's having really at the relational individual level in communities, neighborhoods, grocery stores, you know, all of the above. And so I love that because I think if done well, and I think we've done pretty well, like this will leave an impact for a long time in the Carolinas. And I think as a community and as a people, we were starving for that community and that love and sharing. And so Mm -hmm. people have been more open to jumping on board type stuff because they see the power of that. Yeah. And you know, and I, this was like one of the most magical organic moments in Charlotte sports history, American sports history, that might be too broad, but, but what happened on the first night with the national anthem, right? And were you at the game? Yes. Okay. So here, here was what was so powerful for me, right? This is, this was the moment you're like, this is going to make the impact we have all dreamed, but you know, we're coming out of a very polarizing season for our country mm-hmm. from COVID to politics, to race for like all of these different polarizing dynamics. Right. And, and to be honest, even the national anthem itself, had been in that. was a polarizing issue for a long time, but here we are, the largest crowd in Major League Soccer history. It is on ABC. It is like the feature moment, right, from a sporting standpoint. Right. And the mic goes out, and at that moment, right, you're there. Seventy-five thousand people instantaneously sang, and we're all on the same team. I mean, like emotionally, it was like all of the polarization it was like none of it mattered it was like everybody was proud at that moment to be an american to be a you know it was it was one of the most unifying moments i've ever watched happen you know so and and we've carried it on like it's not something like people are like oh do we have to do this again like it's just that's what we do yeah yeah (laughs) so it's that i would say in that that little three minute moment you're like this team has a chance to be a unifying force. Definitely. You know, so, so. so what, what do you think your prior experience was that made it pivotal for you to be 
the person, the best person for this? Sure. Well, Jerry still out if I'm the best person for it. So um, <laughs> the, uh, we want to I always think we're going to be the best person. Yeah, I know. I would say, you know, I probably have had a unique background as it relates to being a professional player for a long time, being a professional player in this market. Right. So I think being playing at the highest level in this market for, you know, a long time introduces you to a lot of relationships. So, you know, a lot of the people, you know, I think having worked in the nonprofit space for 12 plus years allowed me to have some really quick, close relationships in the community space. Right. So from civic leaders to nonprofit, you know, so there was a lot of, I was an insider directly in that world. Well, what got um, you into that? Cause I mean, you don't just jump from playing soccer to be like, Oh, I'm just going to yeah. run this nonprofit or yeah. is that how it went? Um, I mean, loosely uh, we, as part of my playing years, we would, um, our team, particularly Charlotte, we would travel internationally and do a lot of international work, um, play soccer and work in community outreach programming. And so we were, we had spent some meaningful time working in displaced people camps or refugee camps. Mm -hmm. And um, in that process, like, you know, there's a lot of displaced people in America and there's a lot in Charlotte, people that have been refugees resettled to our city, immigration that's happened, you know, there's like, we have traveled a lot to do this work abroad. What if we just try to do that initiative locally? So, so finishing playing is like, let's go all in and like help be a part of a team. Let's be a city that like cares really well for our displaced international community, you know? And so that was, it was kind of an overflow of playing almost. So, but, you know, so I had a long history in the nonprofit space, soccer space. I was coaching got kids in the space. I've got four amazing kids that are all plugged in, you know, so I probably had a unique blend of business, community, soccer that helped position me to go, you know, this person could maybe quickly connect a lot of dots for us, you know, so that's probably as easy as I could think of it. Did you have this interest kind of growing up or did you just think, okay, I'm going to play soccer and I'm going to do X? Like, <laughs> or was this, was this in the cards at all? Like, you know, because some people like they've always done service and they've always done this. So it was like, of course, I'm going to do this. Yeah, a little bit. So, I mean, I've always had passion and as an athlete and wanted to play and wanted to be a professional player, you know, had had a, you know, I mean, I had a pretty meaningful, like, like my faith's a big part of my life. And so I think thinking outwardly and otherly, you know, has been a, a little piece of my DNA kind of growing up. I probably had a chance to see the power of sports connect to community service through my time in Charlotte with the Charlotte Eagles club and like, because the club was really intentional about it and saying, man, when you have a team of people in an organization that is genuine about like, Hey, we want to be great on the field. Like we really want to win championships, but we also have to be great for other people. You know, it's not all about us. It's not, you know, cause I think the world of professional athletics can get really selfish, right? Like it's, it can be a very me oriented environment. And so I had the, the opportunity to be a part of a club that was very intentional on the opposite end of that. And I think that helped show me and allowed me to be a part of that process. So when I meet now with our players, you know, and, and I'm grateful we've got a bunch of guys that are really willing to jump in the community space. Part of my story to them is 
like one of the most powerful things you can do as an athlete, as an active athlete is to give back and like, give back your time, give back your, because this is a time in your life where you're very visible. And if you use that visibility to really help and serve other people, I promise you, I promise you the rewards will be far greater than the cost. I mean, just even at an emotional level, like, and I'm grateful. We had a couple guys who have been so consistent at like, I will do any community project, you know, like I just want to do, and I'm like, that's awesome. Like, that's the heart that I think ultimately people find the most fulfillment in. So hopefully that's contagious among the the players and the people that, that they start saying, well, come on, man, just come with me. It's nothing. Let's just do this. That's right. I think that's right. No, I think we've got a couple of guys that really spearhead that effort and it's contagious, right? Guys like, I mean, because I, as a former athlete, this is a part of the reality is you go to training, you know, if you don't have a match at night, I mean, you're, you have some good downtime yeah. and we've had some guys like, I need to do something. Like I want right. to go, you know, cause everyone's new to the city, you know, they don't have right. like, they're not like going to their you know, aunt's birthday right. party, or there's like they're like just truly have a time, and right. they have a couple of guys like I want to make the most of my time. Anybody you want to want to call out on that? Oh yeah, I mean, I would say a group of guys that that have been very really great. I mean, George Marks has been really good. Jalen Lindsay's been really good. Brant Bronico. I mean, Fuchs has really stepped up and done a bunch of stuff, which is great. You got Koa. You got Ben Bender. You got Mackenzie Gaines. You got Chris Hager. Those guys have like consistently said, I'm in, right? Like those eight or nine guys, like it doesn't matter for like going to redo after school programming or they're like, tell us how we can help. And I'm like, that's great. If you carry that attitude, you will make a greater difference than, you know, just being a good soccer player. <laughs> awesome. Well, this last yeah. section that I do is just some quick fire questions. Quick hitters. All right. Quick hitters here. We call it stoppage time. Oh, nice. <laughs> It's stoppage time. All right. So uh, first one is, do you have a, a unique personal ritual or a favorite personal ritual that you do? I have a, I had a great one while playing that a lot of people, some people know that people make fun of me for, but you're going to laugh at me. But before every match, right? I had in the locker room about 30 minutes before the game, I had, I drank a can of Sprite and had two nice. zebra cakes. <laughs> right up my alley. Yeah. 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 Nice. So zebra cakes and Sprite to the point that like, I mean, I played 450 professional matches, right? So I ate like 900 zebra cakes and 450. So at my retirement party, there was like a cake of zebra cakes. Like they stacked them all up at me. Oh, nice. That <laughs> that's, awesome. that's kind of a fun tradition that everyone always connects to me that knew me as a player, you know, Sprite and zebra right. cake. <laughs> uh, morning workouts is a big one for me. Like get up super early and go work out every day. Okay, good. Uh, favorite, un- favorite unplugged activity? Uh, golf. Oh, how good. Are you a scratch golfer? Uh, I'm, about a, I'm about a six handicap. Oh, that's not bad. Not bad at all. Yeah. Try to shoot 70s every time I play. Yeah. <laughs> all right. Besides zebra cakes, do you have a go-to snack? Um, You're watching the match. What are, you, what are you eating? Yeah, I'm probably eating chips and salsa. All right. <laughs> uh, what kind of design impresses you more? interior type designs or exterior type? I, I would say exterior. 
like in a house on a building. Or it could be like uh, even like a, a phone, like a mobile phone. Oh, yeah, like yeah, some yeah, people yeah. love the exterior of gotcha, that. And some yeah. people are like, I want to know what's going on in the inside and all the intricacies. Yeah, yeah. Uh, outside. Yeah. I'm probably okay. more like captivated by that looks awesome. <laughs> <laughs> uh, do you find starting a project or finishing a project more gratifying? Starting. Okay. I'm a starter. You're a visionary. Yeah, I totally, right? yeah. <laughs> Get it started. Other people will handle their right. other stuff. I am a visionary. All right, last one. What 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 recharges you? People. I'm a I'm an extrovert. Like I get a lot of energy from being with people and talking, and like this is really life giving to me. Like what we're doing right now. Um, so, awesome. being with people is great. It's being like alone. A lot is hard for me. Like that's more draining for me. <laughs> I want to go with people right. and climb a mountain, and you know. <laughs> Definitely. Awesome. Well, Dustin, this has been great. Uh, I appreciate your time. What a joy. Listen, any way I can help, don't ever hesitate. Wow. Charlotte does have a lot. There are so many notable quotes from this interview, but here is my favorite from him talking about his work and mission with Charlotte FC. He truly believes through the work in the community of all the Carolinas, not just Charlotte, that the club's engagement and outreach can change the culture, not just for soccer fans, but for people's lives, period. If we do this right, well, they're off to a great start. You can follow Dustin at Dustin Swinehart and visit the Charlotte FC community page on the app or website to learn more and get involved. We can all play a part of this success. As always, links and info are listed in the episode notes. Thanks again for listening. Charlotte FC Podcast is hosted and produced by me, Nick Finelli. Please do us a favor and share this podcast with a friend or give us a five-star review. This helps others find our podcast.